Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Jasper Lindsay. Joining me as always is Gavin Bowman. And Gavin, we do not understand college football. We thought we did. Uh, yeah, you know, the first the first four or five weeks were actually pretty, pretty freaking good for us. We were rolling and man, this weekend just punched us square in the jaw, man. So you're going to hear me saying I was wrong a lot today. Probably with just about every game we recap. But it'll be fun because we'll, we'll cover it anyways. Yeah, it felt like we were a lot like these coaches this weekend trying to get too cute with it, try and see too many angles, you know. Didn't work out. Yeah, we got a packed show for you guys coming off this weekend of football. In college football, we're going to give out plenty of apologies, as Gavin said. We round that out with winners and losers and a review of our picks. That did not go well either. Over in the NFL, another weird weekend. Got another London game. Huge AFC North implications. But let's get right into it with this college football stuff. And we start with the game we got right. We got this one right. And that is LSU at Mizzou. Boy, was this game about points, Gavin. LSU taking the win 49-39 to in Missouri. It's ironic we're starting with the, the one game we actually nailed on the head, which was the LSU-Mizzou shootout. Fun game to watch. Again, I have a feeling every LSU game is going to be this way moving forward for the rest of the season because they go out there and they score a boatload, but they trot a high school defense out there as well. I'm pretty sure my exact words last week were Missouri has to bring 40 points with them or they're not going to win. They scored 39. LSU put up 49. Ended up covering that spread in the second half there. After being down at half by eight points, 25-17, no real analysis needs to be done besides... Neither team can play defense, particularly LSU, as they look to establish themselves as potentially a threat in the West to Alabama. I was coming off a big win against AM. I got nothing besides it was great to watch, and this LSU offense is incredible, as is Missouri's. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the winning team right now. Yeah, same here, man. I mean, I'll give LSU credit. They did pick off Brady Cook twice. That's something I don't think we've seen them do a whole lot this year in terms of winning the turnover battle. But you're absolutely right. Jaden Daniels is the only reason this team is staying afloat right now. He put up three touchdowns again for the second straight week. Lance Diggs also had a good game. I mean, you got to give to him in the running game. They got it going. And when they get the running game going, they tend to win these football games. But I think, yeah, if they can climb their way back in the West a little bit, not going to be an easy task. They don't have the easiest schedule here going forward. But Jaden Daniels belongs in the Heisman conversation if they do, because he is putting the entire city of Baton Rouge on his back right now. I agree. You have here. In, our, in the agenda about Jaden Daniels being in the Heisman conversation and then also about LSU's potential to catch Bama. I agree with you on both fronts. Jaden Daniels should be in the Heisman talk. I mean, with every quarterback metric, he's right up there. And he he's third in all quarterbacks in rushing this year. He's only behind uh, Thomas Castellanos over there at Boston College. And then one more, I forgot, but Castellanos was the one that stuck out. And he's passing them all incredible. He's, he's second in completion percentage behind Michael Penner, behind uh, Bo Nix. So he's right up there with Michael Penix. He's throwing touchdowns. He's not turning the ball over. It's, it's phenomenal. He's playing some incredible football. On the LSU team side of things and how they can rack up with Bama moving forward, they're not going to get it done giving up 527 yards a game, which is what they're doing right now and what they did this weekend against Missouri. Almost all of it through the air, 400 yards, 132 on the ground. It's it's just not sustainable. Screw Bama. They're, they're probably going to lose to Florida, Kentucky, one of these one of these teams they play coming down the stretch that can move the ball on them as well. Yeah, they, they got an offensive juggernaut, but that defense is just way too big of a question mark for me to believe in this team. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, moving on to the Red River rivalry, and uh, I tried to get us an easy one before we get into the apologies, but here we go. 
This is the game I've been dreading to talk about here, Gavin, because Texas got handed their first loss of the season to a team that I owe major apologies to, and that is Oklahoma. And my first apology goes out to Dylan Gabriel. Man, did this kid shut me up. He got done all over the field, through the air, on the ground. It didn't matter. This kid came to play. The other apology I owe goes out to Mr. Brent Venables, who outcoached Steve Sharkeesian by a mile. I'm sorry, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Sooners Nation. Yeah. Tough. <laughs> this is not a game where I was wrong, per se, but I didn't take a side here. Incredible football game to watch. Freaking amazing. We said last week coming in, this game was going to go one of two ways. It was either going to be a shootout with the offenses or the defenses were going to step up and it was going to be a slugfest. And it was, a, I mean, it, the, the game soared over, but it wasn't like the offense was moving up and down the field the entire game. There was a lot of yards gained, of course, each team going for just about 500. Ultimately, the story of this game was the turnover battle and Oklahoma winning that. But Oklahoma coming up with three takeaways compared to Texas's zero. That is what was ultimately the difference in this game. Hats off to Brett Venables. You're right. Coming out, getting his defense ready to go against this high-powered Texas offense loaded with NFL talent. And then the offense, too. Don Gabriel, you're right. Incredibly efficient, taking care of the football completing 61% of his passes, not what he's been doing this season, but good enough to get it done, 12.4 per completion through the air. Each team was able to move the football pretty well. Oklahoma just made more of the big plays, and their defense didn't break as much, and that was ultimately what got them the win. Going forward, though, Texas is fine. They're, they're going to be a one-loss team heading into the Big 12 championship against this same Oklahoma team. They're, both these teams are going to be back there come December. The, the winner is going to go on to CFP. Like, Oklahoma's not going to lose a game. Again, they, they shouldn't, at least. The schedule's a cupcake from here on out. Texas won't lose a game. They'll play each other again as a no-loss and one-loss team for the Big 12 title. The winner will win it, and they'll get in. Both teams are fine. Texas played them close enough where I'm not worried about what they have going forward. It's the Sooners' division to lose now, obviously, or their conference. And they look phenomenal. They look like a top four team in the country. Exciting football, exciting in the Big 12. It's just great to see two teams that are that can genuinely have a shot at winning the national championship coming from the Big 12. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. I mean, you hit everything on the dot. I think you're absolutely right with the take that the winner of the Big 12 will beat the CFP just because, I mean, we're going to see a one. We're going to see multiple one-loss teams in the college football playoff. There's no way around it. Pac-12 is too talented. The only teams that are going to go undefeated is either Georgia and or Ohio State or Michigan. Maybe throw in Penn State there. I still believe in them. But Michigan and Ohio State, one of those teams is going to have to lose because they both play each other. And we'll see how it goes. I do want to touch a little more on Steve Sarkeesian's coaching on those final two drives, though. This Oklahoma offense was gashing this Texas defense all day. What are you doing settling for that field goal? It was just a baffling move to me. Then, of course, the Sooners, they go right down the field and they score that game-clinching touchdown. It was idiotic. It was unaware. And it at the time, it looked like it might have cost Texas the CFP. I don't think it is. These teams are going to meet again in the Big 12 championship. I'd lean Texas in the matchup in the future just because I think Steve Sarkeesian will learn from this and he will not make the same mistakes again coaching. He knows he has the team here to play aggressive football. He has offensive linemen and defensive linemen who can stack up against anyone in the SEC. We'll see how it goes from here, but yeah, you're right. This is going to be an exciting year in the Big 12.
They're good as long as Steve Sarkeesian graduates from the Davo School of Game Management and moves on to bigger and better things because it seems to be taking over college football, man, the way that the coaches are managing the end of games at this point. Yep, and I'm glad you brought up game management there because our next game focuses on that as well. And another team we owe an apology to, and that is Bama defeating Texas A&M by a score of 26-20. to 20. Jalen Milrow especially, I, I'm very sorry. This was a bad one by me. Jimbo, another game with horrible game management. Yeah, what are we feeling in this one? How do we feel about it? Jasper, I know that after this game was over, I was shooting a text. Bam was back. I'm glad I didn't give up on him. Then I went back and looked at the stats and the film. And I have a different perspective now. And here's why. Texas A&M lost this game. Bama did not win it. That is where my mind is. You know how many penalties Bama committed yesterday or Saturday? They committed 14 penalties on Saturday for 99 yards. I was watching the game and I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, Milrow's got all day to throw. Like, he looks great back there. They're not getting to him. The old line finally stepped up. Wrong. He was sacked six times. He threw a pick. Bama fumbled once. They, they lost the turnover battle. They lost it. They, they had uh, one takeaway and m at two. Bama threw for 300 121 yards through the air. They averaged less than a yard per rush attempt. They had 23 total rushing yards. That is factoring in sacks, but even without, they averaged less than two yards per rush. None of these stats say that Bama won this football game. It's it's incredible to me. And then I started to think about how they scored their points. It was the big play. Jermaine Burton getting open behind the defense time and time and time again, and Milgrove finding them. They made two or three big plays, and that was it. Other than that, AM, they 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 won this football game. And I love to see Bama, you know, getting a win on the road. It's it's good to see some the Georgia have some competition in the SEC, especially after what we saw with them against Kentucky this weekend, which we'll get to. But at first glance, I love what I saw from this Bama team this weekend. At second glance, I'm not so sure. The offensive line still has problems. They are still undisciplined, committing penalties left and right. That was their Achilles heel, heel last year, was the penalties. They just couldn't get over them. The pass defense, it's it's been getting better. They did sack Max Johnson five times and got seven QB hurries on him. The pass rush looks phenomenal. However, AM was able to move the ball down the field with a big play most of the game. And there was a dropped pass by Anaya Smith when he was behind the defense on the five-yard line. He catches that pass. AM goes up a point. That was when it was, I think it was 24 to 20 at that point, or 24-17. AM gets right back in it. It's a whole different ball game. He just drops that pass. Not thrilled with what I saw from Bama, but they're picking up the wins they need to pick up. And on the AM side of things, you're right. It came down to Jimbo game management, dropping a few key passes, and and, and they lost it. They should have won it. I, I'm, I'm a little little confused by how this game went down. Both teams were sloppy. A little concerned for Bama moving forward, but they do play in a West where it seems like nobody wants to win. That's really what they got going for them right now. Still the words right out of my mouth. I mean, at first glance, right, you're watching this game. You're seeing all these highlights, the big plays. You'd think Alabama won this game by 40 points. They didn't. They won this game by six. The defense stepped up. They got after Max Johnson a little bit pressured him but the o-line like that was the big thing for me looking at back at these stats is like you'd think Jalen Milrow had all time to throw with those 320 yards he didn't I mean the six sacks it's brutal for Bama the penalties are horrible and it's, it's so weird to see an undisciplined Nick Saban squad it just it doesn't make sense to me and that's why I'm still not buying them as the favorites in this western division and I think LSU has a 
chance if they make this game a track meet against Bama to just run them out of the stadium. It's the game they play against each other is going to turn into a track meet. Uh, I, Bama's offensive line will be able to hold up decently against the LSU rush because that defense is horrible. But uh, LSU is going to score points in that game. They're going to score. I mean, we saw it, like, like you said, Bama's pass rush is getting after Max Johnson but this game, but they were still susceptible to the big play and shots over their heads in the secondary. They stopped the run fine. Yeah, they stopped the run. They only gave up 67 yards on the ground. But moving forward, I have serious concerns for how this offense can click when Milrow doesn't have any time to throw and the opposing offense can move the ball effectively. 100%. I mean, they're not going to face a secondary that performs this bad again. This was just a brutal game plan from Texas A&M. Burton was open downfield. I think it was the first touchdown they scored. That is the most wide open I think I've seen a receiver all year. He just ran right through their secondary. Texas A&M lost this game. Bama didn't win it. I still, I need to see Bama take a game before I can believe in him. I agree. The two two of Burton's touchdowns, well, actually his his, his only two touchdowns, were they both came on third and long plays in the red zone. I remember watching them. I was <laughs> sweating out my under 46 and a half, and I'm seeing Bama third and 14 from the 25 and you know okay okay they're gonna take field goal here nope touchdown and then next drive they have a third and 11 from the 20 like okay field goal time nope touchdown you you take away those plays and we're going to overtime it's it's a ball game that on paper looks like bama dominated they didn't and i love that we're both seeing it i'm worried about them going forward but they are they do have zero not zero conference losses only one in the season i'm just waiting for them to get exposed again like Texas exposed them Yep, there's a lot of teams scooting by right now, but Georgia is not one of them, man. Back-to-back games where we owe an apology, Gav, or at least I do. The Bulldogs just running Kentucky right out of the stadium, 51-13. to We do this every year, man, with this undefeated Kentucky trap. They come in, we're hyping Kentucky up, and then they play a Georgia or Bama. Those teams are still in a different class. How do we get this one so wrong? I owe an apology to this Georgia team as well. I was wrong. You were wrong. We were wrong. I mean, so wrong. Carson Beck, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's he's really good. Uh, and he's, he's shutting us up week in, week out now. That's three straight weeks for Carson Beck throwing for 300 plus. I was concerned for his play in the first half of the season. And now I'm starting to think that Kirby Smart is just that dude and is just the smartest motherfucker in the country because he was easing him into this offense. You know, this is a Georgia team coming off back-to-back natties. Expectations are sky high in the fucking stratosphere. You're Carson Beck. How do you follow up Stetson Bennett? Kirby Smart said, we don't want you to be Stetson Bennett. We want an easy win to this thing, win the games we need to win, and then when you finally are comfortable later into the season, that's when you do your thing. And he's starting to hit his stride right now absolutely pieced up this Kentucky defense on Saturday. Uh, like I said, throwing for over 300, finding Brock Bowers, finding Rosemary Jack Saint, finding uh, Ra Ra Thomas. I mean, just finding everybody. And then on the defensive side, Georgia defense stepped up, forced Kentucky into a game plan that they didn't want to play. We talked about coming into this game, if Kentucky got out to an early lead, would Georgia be able to keep up from behind? The exact opposite happened. Georgia got out to that early lead, and said, hey, Ray Davis, you're not going to beat us. Devin Leary, try to throw the ball on this defense and see if you can beat us that way. Of course, they couldn't because that's not Kentucky's identity. And the rest is history. Georgia came out and stomped them. They moved back to the number one team in the country in my personal rankings. It's not close. And until they have another Auburn-South Carolina game, they're not going to get beat. There's way too much talent with Carson Beck playing this good. Incredible. Kirby Smart, hats off. I'm sorry. Georgia's great. 
move on. Unreal analysis there. Yeah, Georgia made this game a track meet. Kentucky just couldn't keep up. Ray Davis completely stopped. Leary, I mean, give the Kentucky Wildcats credit. They didn't turn over the football that much or at all, but still, like, it didn't matter. Georgia was stopping them every chance they got. Carson Beck, I love the take of easing him into this offense because that's exactly what they did. They know they're good enough just off the defense and off the offensive weapons they have to win games without Carson Beck having to do too much. But now Carson Beck is to kind of just take this offense by the reins and run with it. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Obviously, we still don't know who's going to be their team they face out of the West, but I don't like really any team out there to beat them right now. I don't like any team in the country to beat them after what I saw this weekend. It's incredible the development I've seen from Carson Beck this season, just from that South Carolina game to now. And yeah, I, I think it's all due to Kirby Smart. They took Kentucky out of their identity, out of their game plan, made them play their game, and the rest is history, man. So moving forward, I expect them to do a lot of the same. I don't know who they got coming up, but whoever it is, <laughs> it probably probably won't be much of a challenge. I'm trying to see. Just because I, I do anticipate Georgia to get to the SEC championship at, at the most with one loss. Yeah, they got Vandy, Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. They should stroll into the SEC championship at 12-0, probably against Bama, but then again... We don't know based on what we're seeing. Georgia, man, it's they—they they, they are the team to beat. And until anybody shows me that they want it more, they're—they're—they're going to win the Natty. Jumping over a team that looked like they did not want it all this week, and that is Notre Dame. Louisville Cardinals landed the final blow to knock out the Fighting Irish this season by a score of 33-20. to 20. And Gav, I'm going to let you take the floor here because, boy, were we wrong about Sam Hartman in this Notre Dame squad. Yeah, I'll start off by saying I was wrong. And then I will continue by saying, their team is better than this. They're better than what they showed this weekend. Before I rip on Notre Dame, because I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Jeff Brom and Louisville, because this game wasn't all about Notre Dame playing ass. It was also about Louisville coming out and playing a great ball game. Jeff Brom went back to his Big Ten roots at Purdue. Louisville's been getting it done all season with a passing attack and Jack Plummer. They came out in this game... And they dominated the line of scrimmage. That's what. That's how they won this game. They ran for 185 on the ground. Uh, Jawan Jordan getting out uh, for 143 and two touchdowns by himself. They got after Sam Hartman with three QB hurries and five sacks. They dominated both lines, which is incredibly shocking to me. There's my Louisville praise. Here comes the Notre Dame rip. Notre Dame should win the line of scrimmage in this game. They have the better line on both sides. They didn't. <clears throat> that took them out of their rhythm. Estime ran for 20 yards in this game. Fucking pathetic. Sam Hartman, three picks. We said coming in, Louisville was the team that throws picks, not Notre Dame. Where did this come from? This is a Louisville passing defense that is nothing short of mediocre. It's not phenomenal at all. They defend the run fine, but the pass is not their specialty. Notre Dame's offense had been somewhat stagnant since the Ohio State game. Not this stagnant. They like they, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Sam Hartman looked completely overwhelmed. They lost line of scrimmage. I don't know whether to think this is a coaching thing, a lack of effort, just being tired coming off of two grueling weeks. But man, Louisville dominated in every facet of this game. And I expected Notre Dame to do that coming in. So I was wrong. I do believe Notre Dame is better than what they showed us this weekend. But as you said, this is their second loss. They don't play any conference. They are out of CFP conversation. I'm worried about their motivation going forward, particularly coming off of three grueling weeks where they come out of it one and two. 
Yeah, this is just such a tough loss for Notre Dame. The Cardinal team, they just looked like the more prepared and more motivated squad heading into this one, and they played like it. Sam Hartman, three interceptions. They were getting after him all day. This Louisville offense is so fast, too. I mean, Jordan, every time he was in the red zone, just blowing through this Notre Dame line. Thrash was just getting open down the field all game. And, like, this Louisville team has some great names. Jake Plummer, Jamar Jordan. I forget Thrash's first name, but he's awesome. But yeah, as you said, I mean, next week they got USC. That marks their fourth-ranked opponent in a row. At this point, you're sitting at 5-2. and two. You're definitely out of the playoff hunt. If you beat this USC team and went out, you're probably looking at a New Year's Six Bowl here. But, I mean, this team's motivation is just not there right now, as you said. And I'm really worried about that USC game. I think they could easily get ran out of the water if they do not come out ready to play some defense. They The offense better wake up and come prep with some points because, you know, USC is going to score. But they're also, they don't try out a defense. Like Notre Dame's going to play against zero guys uh, when they're on offense. So I expect a shootout. I'm sure we'll cover that game in our preview on Thursday. But yeah, four ranked opponents in a row. They're going to need to bring it because they are on a downward trajectory at the moment. It's nothing nice over in South Bend right now. Which brings us to the winners and losers of the weekend. Notre Dame, obviously one of them, but we'll see where we put them. Gav, who's your first winner this weekend? My first winner is the college football playoff, and here's why. Things are starting to take shape. We can see it. You got Georgia. You got probably the Big 12 champion, either Oklahoma or Texas. You got likely the Big 10 champion coming out of the Big 10. East looking at either Ohio State or Michigan probably. And then you got probably the Pac-12 champ. I'm writing off Florida State for now because I do think the ACC is a little bit little bit lighter compared to the other four uh, power conferences. All this to say, there appears to be at least four teams that have a legitimate shot to win the whole thing. And that hasn't been the case in recent years. I know last year, for me at least, it was like, okay, Georgia looks like the clear favorite. I know they almost got beat by Ohio State, but... They look like the clear favorite coming in. This year, of course, Georgia's the favorite, but it, it appears as though they can win it all. It appears as though Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, like any of those teams I legitimately think can win the whole thing. Winner coming out of this weekend, the college football playoff, because when it comes down to it in January, I expect the four teams involved to all be contending for the title and all have a legitimate shot to come home with some hardware. I love it. There's no make-a-wish TCU this year, so we'll get no. right all right, my first one of the weekend, sticking with the Oklahoma trend, that's Brent Venables. year ago, got embarrassed by Texas in the Red River Hour game, 39-0. This year, he's playing spoiler to start stream season. Went out, revamped this defense, got Dylan Gabriel healthy, and now this Sooners team, man, they look like they're poised to make a run here. So props to Brent. Good for you. You're still going to lose in the Big 12 championship, but enjoy this one. <laughs> Coming off of a 6-7 and seven season, too. It's great to see down there in, in Oklahoma getting things done. My second winner, it's going to be Friday Night Lights. I mean, underdogs. Uh, Oklahoma State and Nebraska both played on Friday. Both were underdogs coming into the game. Both came away with a win. Hats off to Mike Gundy. Hats off to Matt Rule. Getting two huge victories for their respective programs. Friday Night Lights. I mean, underdogs. That's a winner for me this week. Will Howard looked horrible in that Oklahoma State game. That was really bad. It was really bad. All right, speaking of really bad, my other winner this weekend is teams we doubted that are clearly the top teams in the country. I'm talking Georgia. I'm talking Oklahoma. I'm talking even Michigan a little bit. I don't think we gave them their flowers entirely a couple weeks. J.J. McCarthy's been kind of inconsistent. But these teams came out this weekend, put together some great games against opponents who by all means were no easy challenge, and they once again separated themselves as contenders from the pretenders. I like it. 
third and final winner for me, Louisville. 6-0, off to a great start in the Jeff Brom era. And here's the best part. They don't play Clemson. They don't play Florida State. And they don't play North Carolina coming down the stretch here. This team has a legitimate shot to head into the ACC championship undefeated. How about that from Louisville? That would be incredible. And just a huge wrench in the college football playoff picture. If the Cardinal came in at 12-0 to the ACC championship, they're getting it done. No one expected them to. Louisville, you're a winner this week. Man, imagine if Louisville wins the ACC and we have to be talking about them in the college football playoff conversation. Yeah, there's our there's our cupcake TCU this year. Our cupcake TCU. All right, my winner, I'm sticking with the ACC, and I'm going Devontez Walker. Made his season debut after finally winning his appeal at the NCAA. And, man, he looked good. I mean, immediate impact, six catches, 43 yards. This undefeated USC team just likely got its most dangerous weapon back, and this team could easily be ready to take off this weekend against Miami. Huge game. We're going to break it down for you, but I'm excited for this UNC team, man. My one prediction that's holding true still this season. Oh, in one of my true... One of my predictions that's not holding true, and my first loser, and you just mentioned them, and I hate that I have to bring them up, game management, particularly from the Miami Hurricanes, Mario, man, Mario. We, we were doing so well, Mario. I was so high on you coming into the season. You were up to number 17 in the polls, proving me right that you did a great job in the transfer portal. Portal, and then you come out and we do this. We don't take a knee when if we take the knee, the game ends. We fumble the football and then we let Georgia Tech get 10 yards behind our secondary with four seconds left to play. What in the Dabo Sweeney did I witness this weekend from Mario Cristobal and the Canes? That is my first loser. Game management in general, but particularly the Miami Hurricanes. And it, it really saddens me to say that. That. that was a tough one for Mario. My first loser is game management as well, especially for teams in Texas. I mean, what are we doing here, fellas? You get paid millions of dollars to coach from the most respected programs in the country where winning is the standard. You get paid too much to make conservative play calls down the stretch. I'm talking to you, Sark. You're paid to win games and win games in a big way. You better be ready. I mean, you may have just cost your team a trip to the CFP. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out in the Big 12. As for Jimbo, I don't have anything else to say about this guy other than Aggie fans need to stop apologizing for him and start talking about finding themselves a new head coach and maybe a loner for that $60 million buyout. <laughs> I like that. I love that uh, analysis on the game management being a loser. My second loser, Jasper, I'm sorry, man. Cam Ward. He looked lost back there this weekend against that UCLA pass rush. And he looked great all season, but he hadn't seen a pass rush like the Bruins. They got after him this weekend, made him look like a completely different quarterback. Washington State suffers their first loss this season. Against non-competitive pass rushes, he will continue to be an incredible weapon. But against guys that can get after him and make him uncomfortable, it's going to be a challenge. Washington State and Cam Ward, you are a loser this week. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because that's also my second loser, and that is our favorite undefeated teams who are sliding under the radar. That's Cam Ward and Washington State. That's Mario Cristobal in Miami. couple of bad losses for both teams. The Washington State won a little more understandable. Miami, woof. They're not season killers by any means, but uh, they, both these teams came back to earth in a big way this weekend. Yep, love it. For my third and final loser, Fresno State. Fresno State, you were in the driver's seat to be the group of five team that 
represents the group of five in a New Year's Six Bowl, ranked 24th in the country. And then you go into Laramie, and no one goes into Laramie and comes out unscathed. The Wyoming Cowboys picking up some incredible victories this year, beating Fresno State. Hats off to the Cowboys, but Fresno State, you are a loser, and you are no longer in the driver's seat for that power for that group of five New Year's Six bid. Yeah, that was some tough stuff from the Bulldogs. My last loser is another team in California. And that's USC, man. Just play defense. It's not that hard. Caleb Williams may be the best quarterback we've seen in college football ever, and he will never get a chance to compete for a national championship with the way Alex Grinch's defense is playing down there in South Central. Just be better. I'm tired of seeing this team underperform. Maybe it's just who they are, but oh my God, is it really that hard to play defense? Like, you have so much talent. Bear Alexander is an awesome defensive tackle. But that might be all they have. It sucks to see. I can't believe I stayed up to watch this Arizona game. It was just – this is a game I should have been in bed by 11, not even turning on. But the fact that this game went to four overtimes, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, Alex Grinch and Jimbo Fisher should both be in Cancun next fall, chatting it up, fucking relaxing. It, it, it It's beyond talking about at this point. We know what we're going to get from this fucking pathetic – Waste of a defense. Alex Grinch has to go. Lincoln Riley, I know he's your buddy, but get him the fuck out of there if you want to compete seriously in South Central. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, jumping over to picks, and we just had a horrible weekend, Gav. Nothing, I, don't, I don't even know if we need to discuss it. One and two all around. And, yeah, just nothing nice. Bad, 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 bad. We were wrong. And uh, we'll be better next week. Yep. You know, you can't, you can't stay hot forever, but – Still plus money on the college football season. NFL, not so much. But uh, well, we, so much. We, will, we will be back with a vengeance on Thursday. Stay tuned. And stay with us. Stay with us. Long season ups and downs. We're going to keep at it. Back to the drawing board a big way. We got some answers. Questions answered this weekend. We will be back. Trust. Yes. All right. Speaking of the NFL, we got to jump over there. And we got some answers in the NFL this weekend as well in terms of contenders versus pretenders. And that starts – with a game that actually didn't answer this question, but we got to start with it anyways, because it was phenomenal to open up the slate. And that is the Jaguars defeating the bills in London. Gav, how do we feel about this one? I feel like you were absolutely right. Jasper, this, the, the, the Jags being there already played a huge factor in this one. The bills looked slower. They looked a tad jet lagged. The Jags came out and the defense was flying all over the place. This is a bill's offense that has been blowing opponents out of the water. They had scored, I think, uh, 35-plus and three straight coming in. They, they were stymied, stymied all over the field. And this is a Jags pass defense that's been nothing short of horrible this season. That was the key takeaway for me in this one. The Bills looked slow. The Jags looked like they'd been there for a week. That's really what I'm going to chalk this game up to. If this is on American soil, it's a much closer ball game. It was close to begin with. I, I think the Bills probably win it. I, I still don't think I'm sold on Jacksonville because of that pass defense and because the offense still hasn't gotten going to what we expected it to coming into the season. Uh, I want to see Jacksonville in three weeks. I know we said this last week. I want to come back to the NFL in two or three weeks and reevaluate. That's still how I feel about this AFC South, especially after what we saw with AR going down this weekend. Uh, and... And uh, and Houston getting the last second loss in Atlanta. On the Bills side of things, 
not not overly concerned. I mean, you know how I feel about this team. I'm I'm not sold on Josh Allen. So they now sit a game behind the Dolphins in the East. I still think the Dolphins win the division. I've said it from the preseason. I say it now. They just have too much talent on both sides of the football, but that defense does need to step up. Bill's defense looking phenomenal. I'm not worried about them. They'll be in the playoffs come February. And yeah, just chalk this chalking this one up to jet lag. Yeah, jet lag is exactly right. I think the loss of Matt Milano is something that's underrated in this one. I think that's a huge loss for the Bills, especially with him getting carted off. Um, but other than that, this was one of the most, I think the most exciting fourth quarters I think we watched all year. It was just big play after big play from these teams trading blows. Obviously, you have ETM with a huge run to score to seal this one. But yeah, I mean, you can't really, this isn't really a statement win for either team. I mean, obviously the Jags being in London played a huge role in this. The Bills are going to be fine. It's just one of those weird games where the NFL just kind of scheduled it and was like, fuck it, let's do this, you know? Precisely. Weird game. Each team's fine. The Jags are sitting uh, tied to the top of their division with Indianapolis. And like I said, the Bills are one back, but they'll be in the playoffs come February. No one's worried about that. Yeah, I there, there's not a whole lot to discuss in this game beyond Jacksonville won. I don't think there's reason to be concerned or overjoyed on either side of that spectrum. Yeah, 100%. All right, now we got to talk about a division that is just all hell seems to be breaking loose right now, and that's the AFC North, man. I mean, we got to start with the Steelers beating the Ravens at home. I think we all kind of saw this coming a little bit. This is just one of those rivalries where weird things happen. The Ravens jumped out to the early in the first half. And kind of just gave up and let the Steelers' defense dictate this thing in the second half. Jasper, cue the trumpets. Kenny Pickett is not dead yet. I get to hold on to this fever dream for another couple of weeks. We're back at the top of the division. Let's fucking go. Nah, but in all seriousness, they scored 14 points. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't like they came out and, and moved the ball down the field. Although that throw to George Pickens at the end of the game was top-notch. This game was about... Mike Tomlin getting the Steelers' defense ready to go. We say it every week, the Steelers are home dogs. It's always tough to go into Pittsburgh and get a win against a Mike Tomlin coach team, especially with how this defense stacks up this year with T.J. Watt and company being absolute menaces. The offense still looks below average, but as long as they keep winning games somehow, I can hold on to this delusion of grandeur that they're a decent team and have a chance to win this division, which they actually do. Although the Bengals looked somewhat better this or this weekend. Man, the AFC North is just a fucking, I, I can't tell if it's a dumpster fire or if it's just complete chaos. Either way, we certainly need two to three more weeks to figure out this division. We know each team's identity, but I just don't trust anybody to put together 17 games of football right now. I love that you said we know each team's identity. We know each team's identity, but it's easy to stop their identity. I mean, you stop Lamar Jackson, you stop this Ravens team. Bottom line, simple as that. That's what the Steelers did in this one. Um, the Steelers, uh, their offense identity is just, fuck it, George Pickens is down there somewhere. Um, <laughs> Literally. I mean, and then playing good defense. I mean, TJ Watt had a huge impact in this game. Good win for the Steelers, but a bad win for the AFC North because now things just get even more chaotic, as you mentioned. The Bengals are back in this thing, man, at two and three. Joe Burrow, phenomenal week, three touchdowns, 317 yards. Jamar Chase, hey, man, he said he's always open. He was. 192 yards, grabbing all three of Joey B's scores. 
Are we buying this Bengals team being back a little bit? It starts with Burrow getting healthy, but yeah, the, the defense has been playing pretty pretty decent all year. I need to see them beat someone that's not the Arizona Cardinals, and then I'll buy it. But like you said, they're they're one game back. They're totally alive in this in this division. And with what we saw this week from Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I have a hard time believing either one of them is going to go out and really take this division, so to speak. So let's see Joe Burrow get healthy. Then we'll then we'll reevaluate. Joe Burrow needs to get healthy. I need still a little bit more of a running game. They have been very underwhelming on the ground for me offensively, and that's been a huge role in like getting that play action going with Jamar Chase downfield. So yeah, we'll see how it goes going forward. But uh yeah, speaking of dumpster fires though, we gotta talk about Bill Belichick right now because oh man, was that an ugly loss to the Saints. Zero points, Mac Jones abysmal, 110 yards, two picks. Where does the blame lie in New England right now, Gap? Everywhere. I don't know if you can pinpoint one place. Maybe if it if it was any other coach except for Bill Belichick, we'd be blaming it right on the coach. But a lot of it falls on Mac Jones. A lot of it falls on Bill Belichick. Uh, the defense is playing fine. I mean, they were without Judon and Christian Gonzalez this weekend. The first points on the board was a pick six. So take away seven points from that Saints total for how much the defense actually gave up. And then the Patriots came right back and punched it away. Saints scored. Patriots punted. Saints scored. It was 21-0 in the blink of an eye. And then from there, they're playing catch up. The defense stepped up after that. They only allowed, uh, what, seven more points, and it came off of a, a fumble or a pick in their own territory. The blame lies everywhere, man. This offense is stagnant. The defense is hurt. They, they can't get anything going. So it might be time to blow up this Patriots team and, and, and just restart. <sighs> Bill Bill might need to go. I, I really don't know where to begin. It's just a Patriots team that we haven't seen them like this in my lifetime. Couldn't tell you the last time. So uh, it's kind of tough to watch. We'll see what they do moving forward. But it starts with putting up some points on the board because they scored three total points over the last two weeks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, <sighs> Belichick has been a great coach, but a poor team builder in the post-Brady era. era and I don't entirely blame him because it's hard to replace the best quarterback to ever play football, but they need to be better. And I think it might, I mean, you can't really get rid of Bill Belichick, but Mac Jones is not the guy. I think you put in Zappy and you start to tank this thing. It's probably the route they need to take because I mean, you know, you can't get anything going through the air. You can't get anything going on the ground. You have no real playmakers uh, on the outside at the wide receiver position. Defense is banged up. Gonzalez is done for the season. It it just goes from bad to worse the longer you look at this Patriots team. I'd be tanking if I was them. They're gonna need someone like Caleb Williams to come in and 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 revitalize his team, pump some life into him. The problem is they'll get a win or two out of the season just simply because it's tough to go into Foxborough. It always is. They've gotten stymied by a couple of top-notch defenses the past two weeks, and the Cowboys and the Saints although the Cowboys didn't look like it on Sunday night. But they'll they'll probably get three, four, five wins this year, which is enough to take them out of that number one position. It's it's just tough to watch and honestly tough to put into words considering we've never seen this in New England. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. 
I've never seen anything like this in New England, and it's it's sad, man. Speaking of another team that just makes me so sad, and that is the Vikings. I mean, Taylor Swift didn't even want to come watch them play against the Chiefs this weekend. This team sucks. They're bad. Jay Jeff is now going to miss multiple weeks with a hamstring injury. What is the prognosis in Minnesota? Is it time to blow this thing up? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it seems like it's time to blow a lot of shit up for a lot of teams across the NFL. Even you, you got a quarterback that's not going to take you to the Super Bowl. We know that. And he's, he's only getting older at this point. You got the best receiver in football who is on an island out there. I mean, you got Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison too, but Jay Jettas comes in week in, week out and puts up video game numbers, and this defense has nothing to show for it. It's tough to watch in Minneapolis, man. Kevin Stefanski is not exactly the the best game manager in the league. He, I think he went to the Dabo Sweeney school also. Or that way, is that say right? Kevin Stefanski, that, that, that coach. I think Stefanski's the uh, Browns coach, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's um. Oh my God, why am I blanking right now? O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell. Stefanski is the Browns coach. O'Connell's not not that much better. <clears throat> I said coming into the season, the Vikings were going to finish last in this division, and they're sitting there right now, tied with the Bears. The defense just isn't good enough. The offense isn't scoring as many points as they did last season. They're not getting the same kind of results in these one-score games. You obviously can't go 11-0 every single year. They're, the, the talent is just – it's mediocre. They're in a weird spot. I, I don't know if it's time to blow it up <clears throat> because <clears throat> they've got a ton of playmakers. They got Jay Jettas. Sorry, man. You're good. They got Candy. They got they got some ballers on the D line, but they got nobody in the secondary. And they're they're in a division where the Packers are a young team, the Lions are a young team, the Bears won't, they're not even relevant, but they're not going to keep up with this Lions or Packers teams as long as the team that the Vikings are trotting out week in, week out looks like this. So they're in a weird spot, man. <laughs> give me give me two to three more weeks, I'll be able to tell you if they should blow it up or not. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not buying them one bit. Wasn't preseason. I'm not now. It looks bad. Looks grim in Minnesota. Yeah, you got to find a way to resign Jay Jettis. And the way their things are going, it does not look like they're making progress in that department. You're exactly right. Mid football team, they're in NFC North no man's land, right up there with the Bears. And maybe another team we'll get into here in a bit. But first, we got to break down this Cowboys game because. The Niners, Gab, they're just in a different class of NFL football than everyone else. And it was clear this weekend in Sunday Night Football because the Cowboys are by no means a bad team, but they are down a peg from what this Niners team can do offensively. I don't think anyone can really stop them right now. I said it coming in. We know what we're getting with the Niners week in, week out. They're going to play phenomenal defense and Brock Purdy and company is going to move the ball. And Shanahan is just drawn up incredible schemes on the offensive side of things. This game was about Dallas and how they would come in. And this game was about Dallas and how they would come in and perform on the offensive side of the football and the defense side of the football. Defensively, they just looked overmatched, man. This Niners offense came in, ran it down their throats. Rock Purdy was throwing it all over the place. Three touchdowns for Mr. Kittle. Incredible. And on the offensive side of things, they, they were forced to play catch up and that's not their brand of football. 
Dak Prescott and company are not built to do that. This is a West Coast offense, or as Chris Collinsworth likes to say, the Texas Coast offense. God, I hate that guy. Uh, where, where Prescott's not really airing the ball out. He's, you know, dinking, dunking down the field, or at least attempting to. The Cowboys were taken out of rhythm. But you're right. This game was all about how San Fran looked, and they look like they're in their own class of football. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm, I'm just hoping my Hawks can maybe keep up with them. But for the time being, it looks like San Fran's a team to beat in the NFL right now. No, 100%. And I'm glad you brought up the West Coast offense because, I mean, there's a reason Dak has not been throwing picks this season, and that's because he's averaging 6.7 yards a pass. I mean, he was forced to push the ball downfield in this game. The old Dak returned. Brutal look for the Cowboys. They're going to need to figure out things going forward because Mike McCarthy, as decent a head coach as he is, he's probably getting fired if they don't write this, write these wrongs this season. All right. Monday night, the Raiders. Second win on the season. They moved to two and three. Huge win, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I was expecting Jimmy to throw a million picks in this one. It's so hard, dude. I was telling my buddy, it's so hard to be like a fan of a football team when you just know that unless the other team makes a mistake, you're just losing. And the Packers, that's what they did. They came out and made mistakes. Jordan Love, I appreciate the interceptions. I think those were the only turnovers we've had all year that have gone our way. So he sucks. I'm officially putting the Packers in NFC North no man's land alongside the Bears and the Vikings. This is the Lions division. Now, the Raiders, I hate to say it, but we have hope coming up here. To get back to 500, we got New England next week, then the Bears. I don't know. We'll get above 500. If we move to four and three, I'm officially returning to being a a mindless fan. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna put blind faith in Jimmy G going forward. I'm gonna put blind faith in Josh McDaniels again if this team gets back to four and three. That's my takes on the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the you mentioned the Packers being an NFC North no man's land. Accurate statement. I love them coming into the season. I no longer love them. They look like they're lost on offense with Jordan Love out there. As for the Raiders, Jasper, if they get to four and three, they're probably a no man's land also. But you know what? That's when you put the blind faith in Jimmy G and say, take me to the promised land. We'll see what happens. I got nothing really to say on this game other than I was wrong about the Packers. And I'm I'm still not going to buy the Raiders for the entire season as long as McDaniels is at the helm, and you got Jimmy G out there. I mean, speaking of poor game management, Jasper, what's, Mc, what's McDaniels goal. doing? Oh. What's he doing kicking a field goal with two minutes left from 52 yards out when, I mean, like, you either go for it and ice the game or you punt it and pin him back. Nine times out of ten, I'm going for it looking to ice the game. It's the same shit as missing a field goal, except if you convert, the game's over. Like, what the fuck was that? Dude, we deserve to lose this game. I'm rooting for us to lose this game so we can tank for Drake May. But it sucks. I mean, like, you want your team to win, but you know your coach sucks. It's this horrible combination of, like, win, but I want this guy fired and out of here, and every win we get keeps him around a little bit longer. I mean, you saw the video of Mark Davis on Twitter. He's telling fans, be smarter. Josh McDaniels is an idiot. Like, we suck. He's so stupid. It's it's horrible. I mean, we're in no man's land and then some. Yeah, that was quite possibly 
and and I've watched a lot of Dabo Sweeney games. That was quite possibly the worst coaching decision I've seen in a long time. Wow. You're lucky to escape with the win, even though you might not have wanted it. Two teams in no man's land, the Raiders and the Packers. Gosh, they, they need to stop putting these teams in prime time because it's just tough football to watch. Yeah, dude, I don't know what's going on there, but we'll see how it goes. Um, rounding out the show with picks, obviously, I went the elusive 1-1-1, one, one, and one, 500 across the board. Gav, I believe you had a 1-2 and two weekend? I did have a 1-2 and two weekend, 2-4 two and four when you combine college with the NFL. Bad week, losing week, obviously. Like you said, though, back to the drawing board, long season, ups and downs. We'll be back with some good spots this weekend. A lot of college football this weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll preview it on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Huge show coming your way this Thursday. But for now, we will leave you with that. Yeah, let's get it.